Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Average Gamer podcast. I'm Grant from Over the Edge and as usual I'm joined by Sally from One Guy's Opinion and Joe Chip. And in today's episode we're going to be discussing the Xbox Scorpio leaks, the Nintendo Switch, the reactions to the console release and the rumoured upcoming supplemental computer device or SCD. And the final subject is why so few games are released in January and February. So here's Sully with his subject, which is the Xbox Scorpio leaks. I've actually just recorded a video on this, which we'll probably got before this cast. So there's been rumored leaks again regarding the Scorpio's power. You know, it's the usual stuff. It's going to have apparently six teraflops of compute power, blah, blah, blah. But what really captured my interest with the Scorpio leaks was the fact that Microsoft seemed to be taking a similar route or a page from the PlayStation 4 Pro whereas they are apparently rumoured to be giving the developers control over where they want to apply the Scorpio's power. And I kind of thought that was interesting. One, I think it's it's pro-consumer, and I like the idea to be given, you know, not the same experience that you would get on a PC with all the options you get, but to be given the ability to play in either 1080p or 4K or pick a few graphical settings. I want the choice. Um, I thought that was cool, and I think that's pro-consumer. But I also kind of wanted to touch on how do we think this could potentially affect the ps4 pro because in my head this is the one thing it definitely had going for it and to be honest i thought the scorpio was just going to be the 4k xbox one but that doesn't seem to be the case anymore well we've already got that haven't we with the xbox one s i guess mm. it's all like the which is like the intermediary i i just think it's another example of how microsoft are clawing back kind of goodwill aren't they from from the sort of uh, the the launch of the Xbox One was a bit of a disaster with this multimedia over games kind of message, and taking it that logical step further where they're giving, like you say, power to the developers to approach the games how they say see fit, and I think it's it's a very deliberate ploy in order to claw ground back from Sony and basically, you know put themselves in a more prominent position in terms of competing in the market. I well, think. yeah, it's interesting because if they are giving power to the developers like the rumor suggests, is that yes, this was something big that the Pro had going for it, but the Pro, you know, if the specs are true regarding the Scorpio and it is six teraflops, it's going to have an extra two teraflops of power. So yeah. that could be huge for the Pro in terms of, you know, we're talking about 1080p, difference in visual quality you know the graphics should be substantially better on the scorpio and i think when you put those side by side in a store it's going to be pretty com- you know the scorpio is going to be a really compelling option assuming developers uh, work up to the scorpio you know oh that's a good point it, you know given that the, the ps4 will be, have the biggest market share they may well be looking at the ps4 pro as the mm-hmm. the kind of sweet spot for them so that could count against the Scorpio. Hope not. Hope, hope it doesn't. Because I know that used to be the case with you know the previous gen. Like they'd they build everything to run on the 360, and they port it to the other systems. Even though technically the PS3 was more powerful. And do you think that's still going to be the case? So do you think they're still going to be going? Okay, here's uh, the base that we're going to build on, being the PS4 Pro, and then we're going to scale back for the the base models, and then we're going to scale up for the Scorpio. Or, or do you think do you think now they are literally just going to have different graphic profiles? Like it's not going to be well, we ha- it's only looks as good as the Pro because we made one version and ported it, 
or do you think that those times are gone? Like there's now just different graphic profiles and I don't want to say a slider, but, they, you know, they scale the graphics up for the, the Scorpio and they scale it down for the base models. I, I think that's um, I think that's a fair bet, actually, given that you're looking at doing that within a brand. So you're mm. going to be looking at doing that across the Xbox or the Xboxes and you're going to be looking at doing that across the PS4s, <laughs> however many of each of them you, you end up getting. Um, but if they're talking about, you know, uh, backwards compatibility, forwards compatibility, whatever, then you probably are looking at that. But I also think there's a possibility that you might see it being on a game-to-game basis. You know, if you're talking about being pro-consumer, you're talking about being pro-developer, then maybe they might give, you know, a little bit of, of leeway to the developers to decide how they're going to go about doing it. Well, yeah, certainly with third-party titles, I could definitely see that happening, yeah. I mean, that's been kind of the grey area with the pros, the mixed bag, and I think throwing the Scorpio in just probably complicates it even more. I mean, you know, it's been it's been shown in the past that if the power's there, developers will happily max it out and whinge about not having enough power, so... Yeah, I was just going to say, the um, you say that, but, I mean, a lot of people have complained that we're still getting on the base PS4, we're still getting games that aren't running at 60 frames per second, 1080p, even though we were promised that from the start. And it's like, we, well, they haven't really exploited the full power of the base PS4 yet, have they? And I wonder if it's... I wonder if it's because the reason why we're getting these incremental console upgrades is because developers have said, well, we want it to be easier to exploit the power of the console. So can you give us a console that's more developer-friendly as well as consumer-friendly, if you see what I mean? I, I, don't, I wonder if that's an aspect of it that's, that's sort of um, influenced why we're getting these kind of these these upgraded consoles because it's easier to exploit the power of these than it, than it is the base PS4 or the base Xbox, for instance, you know. Well, I was going to say that the, the problem there is, and this one keeps raising its head, is, you know, are we going to eventually see a situation where the developers push to just have a game for the Pro or just have a game for the Scorpio? Yeah, they, because they the said pressure's they wouldn't allow it, though, didn't they? So well, they no did, but, yeah. you know, they, they said no to that, but, you know, <laughs> they'll keep saying no right up until the point where they don't say no anymore. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. You know, if, if a developer comes along with a potentially massive hit and they're saying, look, you know, we can't shoehorn it into the Vinlilla PS4, but we can, you know, do it with the PS4 Pro or the same with the Scorpio, uh, you know, against the Vanilla Xbox, then it's going to be a difficult call for, for Microsoft or Sony to say no, isn't it? I've got two points for this. Just one going back to what you said, Grant, about developers being able to exploit the greater power. I mean, essentially, these machines are, you know, x86 computers in a small form factor. And I think if given enough time, developers would be hitting 1080p, 60 frames per second on the PS4, even though it's a lot easier to max out this hardware than what previous generations were because they used custom hardware. And it took developers a longer amount of time to build engines and tools to use the hardware because it was custom. It wasn't standard. Yeah, but I think point. if given the time, they always seem to find a way to eke out more power. Well, they Even do. if yeah. it's just refining the engines over and over and over mm-hmm. again, you're always going to eke out a little bit more power. But I think you're right. Like the they've made this leap for greater power in these machines to one, probably because consumers are hungry for it to a point, but also, you know, to please developers and keep pushing the boundaries. And I think it's just become a more competitive environment between 
PlayStation and Xbox. I think it's just the environment they live in now. Like it's it's cutthroat, it's fast, and it's not realistic to expect them to expect them to last ten years anymore. It's just it's you know you wouldn't even dream of that happening anymore. Yeah, another thing I wanted to say was is is a kind of natural effect of this this um sort of these incremental console upgrades. Will we then see more kind of um, more uniformity between like all three gaming platforms? So we're getting like upgraded consoles gradually i think the consoles were just getting closer and closer to pc performance in terms of value for money you know because it's like you're saying the x86 machines they they are basically pcs you know in in console form um so i think consumers are demanding more power from consoles for the money that they're paying for them and kind of at the same time they sort of they look at the pc which is although it's more specialist because you have to pay more money to get better graphical performance, I think the natural outcome of this is that you will see a much more closer knit kind of um, gaming environment between all three platforms. Yeah, no, it's definitely going that way, I think. And we've already seen Microsoft openly admit that they're happy to work with Sony on cross-platform multiplayer. It's just a That's matter of great. Sony coming to the ballpark on it. I mean, if that, if that yeah. happened, I think it'd be fantastic because there's been so many times where in recent memory with Destiny where I couldn't play with my PlayStation buddies or I couldn't play with my Xbox buddies and I had to buy two fucking copies and have two different characters even though they're on the same you know they're running on um, Bungie servers and all that I'm separated by consoles it's just it drives me nuts that kind of stuff it's probably my at the top of my wish list but yeah back to what you said Joe about Sony and Microsoft eventually opening that can of worms and saying okay well we're going to do an exclusive to the Scorpio that the base Xbox isn't getting. Personally, I don't think that's going to happen in the Microsoft camp. I could see it happening in the PlayStation camp purely because Sony have been kind of coy about what's going on with these upgrades. They haven't opened up the can of worms and told us their plan for how they're going to handle this upgrades. They basically just said this is their stopgap console, but they're still going to be a PlayStation 5 and they're sticking to a traditional console generation cycle spot on there i think that you're looking at this and and basically we're looking at a, a different ethos between the two companies yeah, that's right microsoft are very much looking at having a overarching you, you know family. service if you like a family yeah. of consoles whatever you want to call them that look backwards and forwards and you know it's no secret that Phil Spencer looks at Nintendo and looks at their back catalogue and is, you know, sort of wide-eyed and envious because he would li- love to see something like that for Xbox. <laughs> and they don't utilise it. Well, then they don't utilise it. But I think that, you know, if you if you had somebody like Phil Spencer who had that at his fingertips, I think it would get utilised. But yeah, I, th- I think there is... I think you're right there, Sully. I think there's, there's a, a different focus from the two companies. Um, and I think it may show up in, in what we see in the future. It's very clear and transparent with what they've told us. Like they've told us that there is going to be hardware that's constantly stepping forward, but you don't need to be concerned because it's staying within a family of devices. Now, as soon as you start releasing exclusives for yeah. one or the other, you break yeah. that family. You've instantly shot yourself in the foot. Yeah. And, you know, with the whole backwards and forwards compatibility, they can't do it. It has to stay within, you know, this family of devices. There's going to be a very clear cut group of devices that are in this family that will kind of just like i've said previously in other casts it will just keep leapfrogging forward do you know what mm. i think they'll even go further than that I, th- I think that even when the next xbox appears 
if it is a break with the Xbox One and they're moving into a different architecture or whatever it might be, I still think, given what happened with the Xbox One when it was first released and all the hoo-ha about backwards compatibility, and you look at their focus now, I think if, you, if, if you're looking at the next Xbox, I think from the ground up, from day one, they'll be looking at backwards compatibility. Yep, definitely. Yeah. And that's why they've gone PC architecture from exactly. the Xbox One. It's for backwards compatibility and it's developers. It's built into the ethos now, isn't it? It's part of what Microsoft do and it's, it's kind of like, it's, it, it's a differentiator in the console market for them. Of course, that doesn't mean it could yeah. be all change at the top and everything changes two years down the line. Yeah, but the thing is, it's working for them, isn't it? The, brand's, yeah. the brand is strengthening and they have hit their stride. I mean, the sales don't suggest it yet, but in the eyes of the consumer from three years ago, it's a completely different Xbox. Um, oh, absolutely. If they hadn't have done that, I think the sales would be looking a lot worse. Oh, yeah, they definitely. Are. <laughs> they, they just they bit the bullet on that one. Um, there's yeah. no way around it. Yeah, but I think going back to the Microsoft camp, I think with the whole family of consoles as well, is I firmly believe that the Play Anywhere feature is going to be a massive instrument in this as well. Like, I feel like they're moving away from, you know, that one fixed box and the Play Anywhere is going to be that banner which ties the family together. And oh, that's yeah. just my personal belief. I wouldn't I wouldn't be at all surprised somewhere down the line we see a TV with a with a you know a, some sort of deal done and you get an Xbox built into your telly or something or like a that. streaming service yeah I'm not, I'm play su- anywhere Xbox you know who knows I'm surprised that hasn't already been done to a to a certain degree they have they have tried something similar I think in the past with like older consoles being built mm. into TVs but I, I can PS3? see that being successful was it was the PS3 built into a couple of Sony TVs once upon a time I don't know actually. Well, we've got the PS, we've got the PS Now thing, haven't we? That comes yeah. on some of the Sony televisions, which is kind of that idea. Oh, um, okay. But that's obviously oh, actually, a streaming service. But I think actually moving forward, we're maybe looking at streaming services anyway. You know, ten, yeah. fifteen, twenty years down the line. Yeah, your cloud gaming, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's effectively going to be. I think it's going to become like that eventually. You know. Yeah, I saw dinosaurs like, be sitting there moaning about it, but it'll happen. <laughs> The thing is, are Microsoft utilising it in one of their games? Is it Crackdown 3? It's part yeah, of yeah. cloud-based. Oh, yeah, when that game sees the day of light, I think it's yeah. been delayed like 12 yeah, well, months or yeah. something ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, that game, I wouldn't be surprised if... I mean, yeah. we've seen Scalebound get cancelled. I wouldn't be surprised if... I mean, maybe not now that they had such a backlash after Scalebound, but it wouldn't be that, shocking though. if it was cancelled, would it? I mean, not after Scalebound. No. be interesting to see E3 this year. Yes, it would be. Looking at the exclusive they've got left, I really don't think they can afford to cancel Crackdown 3. I, I, I think that would basically cause some real damage for them. They've been going yes. great guns, but given what's happened with Scalebound and, and the fact that so far this year it doesn't look like there's an awful lot coming out for them. Whereas if you look at Sony, Sony last year it was pretty sparse, but this year it's like, look at all these games they're coming out with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 35 exclusives. Yeah, no, my personal opinion on Scalebound is I understand that you reached a point of diminishing turns and they obviously crossed into the red with it where they knew that it wasn't going to be cost effective to finish and put this game out. But when you've spoken about it and you've displayed it and you've hyped so much, at what point is it on them to deliver the product? You know, well, like how many people pre-ordered it? it? I think the difference between them and Sony is, uh, sorry, just Sony will let a game be in development for 10 years, like The Last Guardian, and mm. then and they'll they'll stick behind it and eventually they'll, it will be released. Final Fantasy 15 was in development 10 years, and that was released. 
But it's, it's interesting why Microsoft take this sort of approach where they, they'll be willing to cancel a game even after X amount of years development. They seem to be different in that regard from maybe I mean, other, at the very least, other companies. No, yeah, definitely. At the very least, they could have gotten Scalebound over the line and it could have cost them into the red. But, you know, it could have been that game that could have shipped units for, um, consoles for them. It was a very different type of game for them as well, which is a good would have been a good thing. You know, we were talking in a previous podcast about diversification within you know within their portfolio, and and they needed it, and they still need it. Okay, so the next subject that we're going to be looking at is the Nintendo Switch, which is um, what Jay wants to talk about, and the reactions we've had to the console announcement, and also the recent rumors about the SCD. Yeah, um, just go back to something you said a little bit earlier on about consumers demanding more power for their money. And uh, <laughs> I just thought about that when you were saying that. And I was thinking, uh, obviously, Nintendo didn't get that memo. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> basically, Nintendo have obviously got the Switch announcement that came out a couple of weeks ago. And since then, there's been rumours. And I think, in fact, before then, Sully, there were rumours of this Ages. SCD that was going around. And it, it really came to me through you, Grant, actually, uh, only a few weeks ago. I, I'd kinda, it had kind of been hovering around in the background and I hadn't really taken any notice of it. And SCD stands for Supplemental Computing Device. And it's basically, it looks like, we don't really know at this stage, but it looks like an add-on to the console <sighs> that will give it more power. And the the long and the short of it is that it looks like the sort of power it would be giving it would be when docked, obviously not on the move. You'd have to be lugging around a, a big box <laughs> to do it on the move. But about ten batteries. When, yeah, but when when docked, your car battery in your backpack. But when docked, it would uh, put it on a par. People are thinking on a par with say the PS4 Pro, perhaps. I think it'd be at about four point five teraflops, roughly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, no, I mean it's, it's got a handle. <laughs> it's got a sorry, handle. Sorry. Yeah. Game, remember one. the GameCube? Yeah, that was my favourite part of the reveal event. Was it? We gave it a handle, and we might have been too early with that one. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's a hybrid. It's got a handle. Sorry, <laughs> I was, I was actually, I was actually laughing at that point, in, in, in all for the wrong reasons. But anyway, look, I, I don't want to knock Nintendo too much. I do think it was a, a poor conference, and from what you know, from what I've seen in relation to the videos that I've put out, and I've put three out. I put two out on the on the the Switch itself, and I put another one out on the SCD and you you've put a video out as well Sally on the SCD and I think you did one on the conference as well um the responses I've had I thought I was gonna you know have a shitstorm basically I thought you know I'm, I'm going out I'm knocking this console I'm knocking the conference I'm gonna get a lot of people having a go at me and I, I I'm denied about putting it out the first video um and I, I thought you know do I want the grief but actually, I've been very surprised because the responses I've had have been, you know, I've had people disagreeing with what I've said. And I've had, you know, quite a good selection of, of ideas and, and opinions. But what's come across to me is it's it's it was surprising to me at how few people were actually really annoyed with me and, and were jumping on and saying, you know, that, that this is going to be a great console and you should shut the hell up and all the rest of it. 
it, people, the, the, overwhel- the overwhelming experience I had in my comments, and like I say, it's a small sample size, so you can't really say that it's, you know, representative of all gamers. But people seemed to have a similar attitude towards towards it that I did, which was I was looking forward to it and I was hoping against hope that they would put out a console that was going to be something we could really look forward to and really want to buy. And then we heard more about it and, and we got the conference and that was a disappointment. And then in the days following it, it got even more disappointing. You know, if you look at NVIDIA, they did their conference and that was disappointing. And then in the days that followed, they turned it round because you heard the more you heard, the better it got. With the Switch, the more you heard, the worse it got. It seemed to be a snowball effect. They hid, they saved the worst. They didn't announce or detail the worst aspects of the Switch, did they? Like the exactly price of the right. accessories, the Joy-Cons, the charging issue with the grip, the online structure and how they'd give away the... Or not even give away, they'd let you borrow one of their back catalogues of games if you purchase their online service. For um, online chat. I know, yeah, yeah oh, it's, just, oh, it's just a mess. The thing is, right, uh, Nintendo could have taken hold of, they could have um, taken control of the narrative around the Switch a little mm. little bit more in terms of how it was perceived. Because, I mean, I've heard people say that the conference was done in a very Japanese way. They don't do flamboyant conferences because they're not Americans. Yeah, Americans tend to do. It felt pretty flamboyant when that whooping and hot- fucking Splatoon 2 guy <laughs> came out on stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And in the next oh, yeah. version of Splatoon 2, you're going to get an egg beater. Here's a human too. <laughs> Here's a human too. It's like I was watching like yeah, fucking Sesame Street or High Five or something. <laughs> don't forget the ice cubes. Oh. Well. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, there's... Um, and, and I think Nintendo could have actually... If they'd have had someone in sort of PR and marketing who'd basically kind of controlled the way the information about the Switch was released because it, it just sort of leaked out and there's really kind of... Um, I don't know, sort of a kind of mishmash of information just sort of spilled out and they had no no real... They didn't look like they were in control of it, basically. And because they did, didn't look like it, they looked incompetent. Yeah, Grant, do you think it was something similar that we saw with the Xbox One reveal and the DRM drama where it kind of spilled out later from the Nintendo guys, but the messaging was a little bit confused and mixed and some details got out that maybe necessarily shouldn't have come out in that way shape or form or something along those lines like we saw with don matrick i think you're right i think i think you know the way the way that some details got released where they didn't really come directly from nintendo they were sort of churning out from the rumor mill i think that was a mistake i think nintendo lost control of the way that they wanted to present the switch and i think because they lost control the perception of it became quite negative you know i mean it didn't help that they they gave us a console that people weren't expecting to be so sort of initially underpowered. I know that people have said Nintendo have always released consoles since the N64, which don't But they really... haven't. The N64 was more powerful than the PS1. It was the cartridges that held the system back. Yeah, I mean, I meant yeah. after that. Oh, okay, yeah. I know the N64 was. I meant from, from like the GameCube. I was going to say, even the GameCube. The GameCube was more powerful than the PS2 as well. Yes, it was, actually. We onwards. That's when they forgot the power game. And yeah. I think the Wii was basically... The irony is that the Wii was hugely successful, but I think it's the Wii that's paved the way for what's happening now. No, it is. It's, it's the but Wii's success. They don't success. know why they you did know. it. It was, like a, it was like a fluke. 
Yeah. Wasn't it? A little bit. It was timing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we talk about timing a lot with putting out our YouTube content. And I'd imagine it's the same with hardware as well. Like, it was the timing. It came at a time before smartphones and motion controls had never been done in that kind of capacity before for a home experience that was extremely affordable and that had, you know, you call it gimmicky now, but Wii Sports was a lot of fun. I played a lot of Wii Bowling and I got my money's worth out of Wii Bowling with my girlfriend. Oh, God, yeah. so did I. I Yeah, yeah, I I got it just before, just when it was released in the UK. All I had was Wii Sports, but that's all you needed because people were just playing it all Christmas. It was the ultimate party (laughs) game and it did have great quality software as well. And I think the thing that sold the Wii was... One, they had this extremely attractive, you know, the curiosity killed the cat kind of thing with the Wii motion controls and the price point. The price point was ridiculous. Um, they were basically giving these things away. I think it was one, it was under, I think I got it for like £180 in the yeah, UK. Yeah, nuts. On, on yeah, release. You, you buy the console, you've got Wii Sports in it. Most people didn't even need yeah. to go out and get anything else. I mean, you know, the casual gamer, they bought the Wii with the Wii Sports. And it also came, Done. It also came at a point as well where I don't think we'd fully transitioned from standard def to hd as well so the fact that it wasn't no, it was hd wasn't early. a big issue yeah um it was it was one yeah. of those things where we're like oh you know it's kind of disappointing it's not 1080p but a lot of people hadn't didn't have 1080p tvs at that time yeah they got away with yes. it a bit yeah. because it was so so early in the hd life i mean the 360 was the first hd and the 360 console. launched with av cables as well so that goes to show how yes it, it wasn't embraced the 1080p market yet yeah yeah, because it was so early in HD's life, people didn't have HD TVs. I know people that specifically bought HD TVs when they got from yeah. 60. Yeah. Well, the early HD yeah. TVs were 720p as well. So Yes, exactly. You know, And then you got full HD after that. So you get HD and then you had full HD, which was the 1080p. And now that's standard HD. Yeah, like, now we have UHD and all this other shit. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I guess the question is, the SCD, I mean... We know historically, because I've already sort of sarcastically mentioned it, that if you're if you're going to produce an add-on for a console that you have to sort of attach or plug in, it's not going to be successful because consumers don't want to do that. So I wonder how what you guys think if they are going to release this and this and this is an actually this is a real device that Nintendo are developing. How do you think they will market it and produce it? I wouldn't be at all surprised that it comes out as a replacement dock. Yeah, yeah. that's how I'd like to see it happen, yeah, to be honest. Sense. I'd like to see yeah, that... two versions be offered. I think a plug-in device is stupid. Um, yeah, and for logistical reasons, it's not wise, and you're going to have to have a lot of <laughs> expensive add-ons to get that to work. I mean, you know, having essentially, I think it was rumoured that it would have the either be a 1060 or have the power of a 1060 Obviously, it's not going to be a 1060 in a box, which I should have clarified in my own video. It's probably going to be some kind of similar architecture and chipset that will be in this box. But transmitting that kind of data over a cable, it's yeah, it's not going. It's probably not going to happen in a cost-effective way. So I think you're right, Joe. It has to be in a dock. Just personally, and to be honest, as much as it may not be a good idea for the Switch to do this. If Switch had the games and I could get a more powerful Switch that was somewhere between a Pro and a Scorpio, I would probably get one and I'd probably pay for it as well. Well, how about this then? They, they, they come out with a new more powerful dock. You've already got the Switch. You keep your original dock, stick it in another room. Yep. Then you've got two consoles for the price of one. You play really. the base kind of scaled down, down version like we see with the PS4 now on the go or in bed. Like I, To be honest, I'd probably use it in bed late at night when you just want to relax and play a bit of 
you know play a game or yeah, something yeah definitely and then you know when yeah when you come home from work you get the you know the kind of you know the really high fidelity 1080p or maybe almost 4k experience on the dock on the tv on the big screen when you can actually enjoy the the better visuals the problem for me though is that the and i said this in my video is is the timing the timing yes. of this thing will be crucial and 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 I, I if they released it this year it's going to annoy people i think when the uh, the patent originally um, leaked, or you know, the supposed patent originally leaked, which everybody based their NX rumors on, which most of it ended up being accurate and true. Now we haven't heard any official information about this SCD unit, which again, it's not overly surprising because it's Nintendo. But I would have thought because it's been on that original patent and it's been so long that they would have talked about it. I mean, if they were going to release it close to the Switch, I would have assumed they would have offered like we said before a base model and a pro model and that could have been that could have curved all that negativity around the power they could have said look it's as expensive as a pro or it's maybe even a little bit more expensive than a pro but it's more powerful and here's the base the cheaper base unit and here's the more powerful unit and i feel like we would have avoided this whole kind of negativity around the power because they're offering they're giving people choice you know which is what people want yeah yeah that's true um i want i mean a 1060 i mean correct me if i'm wrong that's quite a powerful gpu isn't it um it's it it is it is still powerful but it's the budget kind of um power range of their new nvidia cards like joe's got a 1080 which is the pinnacle of power which is about six teraflops reading about 1080 yeah yeah unless you're going up to the blooming the new ones yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah the titans are about a grand each or whatever Something that also concerns me with the Switch is if it is getting a 3.5 teraflop bump in GPU power, how the fuck is its CPU going to handle that power? Good question. Are they going to have a CPU in a box <laughs> as well? Are we looking at literally a whole new system in the dock? And it, when you dock your Switch, it just forgets about the, the Switch's hardware? Because I don't understand how that's going to work. Like a, a, a bottleneck would become a real concern if you're pumping 3.5 teraflops through the Switch's CPU, which is... No, it's it's fairly anemic by today's standards. Well, uh, it, I mean, the, how it works is going to be the major issue, isn't it? Because we've already seen um, uh, issues regarding the PS4 Pro with some games mm. where they're not running uh, the frame rates that have been advertised or promised. Uh, and that's partly down to the way the games have been patched, if they're existing game. But also, there was issues with recent releases, I think, like The Last Guardian didn't didn't run properly or... And I think Dishonored 2 has had some issues as well. So there could be bottlenecks because we might, we're getting them now with the PS4 Pro. Well, we're getting issues at least. They might not be bottlenecks. I mean, I know honestly, honestly, I, I don't actually think we're going to see it. I think this was just some kind of early on pattern that was released. Maybe they'll spitballing ideas. Um, I just can't see it working. It's not just that, is it? It's the issue that again, it's confusing the market yeah. again because again, there's another, uh, yeah, another device in an already crowded console market. Because if the Scorpio is coming out as well, we've then got two PS4 models, PS4, potentially and three Xbox models, yeah, potentially yeah, three Xbox models, and potentially two Switch. It's like the consumer's going to look at it and think, "What the fuck do I buy?" Yeah, you know, <laughs> <They> can, yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, no. It's... You know, we we talked already about that about how if you confuse the consumer, they end up walking out of the shop with nothing. No, that's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, because <laughs> they don't know what to buy. <laughs> it's like fuck it, I'll get a PC. <laughs> well, yeah, that's it. At least you know what's going into it. End up yeah. going into cash converters and getting a new year. 
<laughs> New Year. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, this is a great device. I actually had yeah. a mate where we were talking about the Nintendo Switch the other day, and he's like, yep, bit of a clusterfuck, isn't it? He's like, I'm buying a Wii U. When they start clearing them all, he's just going to go play the entire back catalog of Wii U games. He's going to wait till the Switch is dead I and pick a Switch up. that on my channel yeah. in the comments. It's true, though. I was going to say... Thing. Yeah, that won't take him long. I mean, I haven't got one anymore, but I honestly thought about picking up a new one and just hitting the clearance bins, picking up all the gems that I missed, you know, on the cheap and maybe just riding out the Switch for a little while. I've said this to people before, but I kind of think of Nintendo as being an unsuccessful Apple. Like they have cool niche products and they're desirable, but nobody buys them. Yeah, they're probably where Apple were but for 10 years ago, maybe. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just they, without the grave. Yeah, they seem to just think they can charge through the arse and they, they, it's like they pretend to be oblivious to all this drama and shit surrounding it. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, here's the Joy-Cons that cost a hundred fucking dollars and here's your pro. Be be happy. <laughs> be happy. Yeah. And they just seem to be, be they seem to be content yeah. with, I'm assuming, pretending to be oblivious to what's actually going on around them. Well, this is it, isn't it? They are pretending to be oblivious. And I think, you know, the issue with Nintendo is... They're, they're out of touch and they're, and they're, and I've touched on it before where I've said it's the hidden cost of owning the switch that is really insidious because effectively you know they're pricing up all these accessories and some of them you will need to buy because if you want an extra controller you've got to, you know you've got to pay that money yeah no that's and it's you a know, social because, system so you're going to want extra controllers yeah that's how they're exactly. selling it. So you got part. You got a party it's game. A system, that you're yeah. be it's playing, a system. Yeah, it's a system I won't play by myself. My girlfriend and I will majority of the time be playing it together. If we got one like Mario Kart and stuff, and I'm not going to share a Joy-Con like yes. this. You know, as much as you, it, you, no, can, exactly. you can play on a Joy-Con, I'd rather an actual controller like a Pro. Um, one thing that kind of annoys me is that can I or can I not use my Pro controller that I still somehow currently own without a Wii U on the Switch? I'm assuming they're both RF. It's RF or it's Bluetooth. You know, I would hope. That I could use that controller on the Switch as a Can replacement I make a prediction? pro. No, but <laughs> no. Then again, no, Nintendo's to. usually been really good with using um, older peripherals on the new systems. Yeah, but if you want to make the Apple comparison, again, yeah, that's, then okay. you probably won't be able to use it. <laughs> that's mm, what Apple do. That's very true. They make you they they invent a whole new connection system, or they think, oh, we don't need headphone jacks anymore, so we're getting rid of them. Yeah, until the really. S comes along, and they're like, you need to buy this phone because it has a headphone jack. When I buy a console, one of the first things I ever do is buy a second controller. So if you're buying the Switch, you're going to have that the Joy-Cons with that thing you can put them in. But if you're going to want to play people and you're going to have the same experience for both people and you're not going to have people going, oh, you won because you got a better controller than me, you're going to need two pro controllers. So so that's at, it's called, say it's 60 quid each. I think I think the cheapest I've seen is 65, but call it 60 quid each. That's 120 quid on top of the price for a start. Yeah, and then you double you know, that into my money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's let's at the end of the day, you're going to be spending five hundred quid on this console, and it's going to be basically a Nvidia Shield with all without all the extras. And the irony is, I could build a decent PC for that money, and it would outperform this bloody Switch. That's for sure. By some considerable <laughs> margin, you could uh, yes. you yeah. could run the graphics off the CPU and probably beat it, Grant. If you got a decent CPU, <laughs> you probably could actually. Ah <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Should we move along? I think we've okay. Yeah, probably yes. bashed the switch enough again. <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't yeah, exactly. intended to bash the switch. On <laughs> it this just one. always just devolves to, you know, into frustration and stuff, doesn't it? Okay. 
Well, just moving on then to the final subject, which uh, is something that I, yeah, I just note I noticed recently. Um, just to clarify, what I want to talk about is why so few big games. You know, not necessarily AAA, but I suppose it does mostly apply to AAA. Um, why so few of these games are released in the early part of the year? So, I guess January to February. And I was looking. I did a bit of research before we started, and I looked uh, at the last two years just to see what was released in like the early months of those years. And Dying Light was released in January 2015, and that went on to sell 5 million copies. Uh, Resident Evil 7's just been released in this month, and that's a big release, obviously, because it's a flagship franchise. Just to quickly sum it up, Grant, what would you consider to be good sales on a video game? Well, I guess you would you might have to ask the publisher that in terms of what they expect but i would say between four and six million just maybe. to be a success depending on the caliber of the game yeah depending on the caliber and the budget of the yeah. game obviously affects what they expect to get back in terms of sales but i know that dying light's budget for instance was quite low because it was made by a small polish developer but they they sold five million copies so it's a successful game and for instance the witness was released uh in january of 2016 and that um apparently i know it's an indie title so we have to bear that in mind but it sold 100,000 copies in the first week and made five million dollars which for considering it was developed by one guy for nowhere near that amount of money that's a crazy success i guess the point i'm trying to make is i wonder why more developers don't choose the early part of the year to release games in whether it's just because they think it's a bad time of year but when you think about the fact it's winter and most of the western world more people play games in the winter i would have thought than any other time of the year it's a tricky kind of one to answer because i personally feel that the big blockbuster games come out at the end of the year because that's when you know people are buying gifts or they have they're they're prepared to spend extra money on other people or themselves because it's the holiday season you know people people budget towards december or november Um, and i think like the only reason they don't release in January is because whether it is or not perhaps there's a stigma attached to January is that people are one either still involved with their blockbuster games they bought in December or there's just no money left over like from from my point of view that was my understanding of it anyway and I mean certainly probably for I would agree with it that for the first two weeks of January you probably shouldn't release a game Um, because I know personally I was still feeling the pinch from Christmas and um, New Year's and all that like it's just it's just financially it's a it's a big month i can't speak for everybody because other people are better off than me or some people are even worse off than me god forbid Uh, not that i'm bad off guys don't worry i'm not going to be on the street next week um (laughs) but yeah i mean certainly for the first couple of weeks i could i could see that being why they don't release games because it's just too close to the holiday period and people are just still feeling the pinch yeah and i get that and that makes sense but i guess if you opened it up to a slightly bigger question which is not everybody can release games when they want in terms of that October, November sort of golden period where you're going to get a lot of sales. So I wonder if, you know, publishers should just try and pitch certain types of games, uh, certain points of the year, because they might be more successful than others. So I know The Witness was quite an interesting, I think it was very, I wonder if it was deliberately chosen for the early part of the year because of the type of game it was, because it, yeah, people might look at it and think, oh, it's only, um, well, I think it was less than £20, so it was like a budget 
game. It's the sort of game they can afford to buy early in the year because it's not going to cost them much. And also because it's a, it's a cerebral kind of game, you can just sit and take your time with it. It's very different from like a AAA release, which you might have been playing at the end of the year, which is kind of fast paced. And so there's a there's a kind of maybe there's a, a very deliberate reason why developers pitch their games yeah. at certain times no, of the year. I think there's definitely probably like obviously market research to back it up. But I mean personally I think releasing a game in the later half of January or in February, I think it's a good idea. I mean, like you've given us examples of games selling well. Um and I think, you know, late January, early February is that time where people have probably finished or they're over their November, December games and they're looking for something new. Um, but yes, exactly. I kind of, I mean, it's probably not true, but I kind of feel like maybe these publishers and developers, you know, historically November, December, that's when the blockbuster games gets released. That's when, you know, people have money and that's when the huge sales and numbers happen. And if it's anything like me with YouTube, you know, you get one or two hits in a certain time bracket on YouTube in a certain day, like and you start hitting that yeah. time over and over again and you start to see success, you start to fear straying from those time periods or blocks, if you know what I mean. True. So I wonder if that's kind yeah, of attached I, to it, like there's a risk it, risk involved with it. I, I think it's a, a maybe a, a, just a general marketing thing to some extent, obviously exacerbated by the whole seasonal thing with the games mm. industry, I suppose. But if you if you... Well, if I take something that happened to me a few years back when I, when I tried to go in and buy some slippers... I tried. Bear with me. I'm. I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> I tried to buy some slippers, and you know, I, I went in, and it was the the wrong time of year apparently for buying slippers. <laughs> sure. Um. You know, never mind the fact that you know you you want to wear slippers throughout the year if you want to <laughs> wear slippers. You're, 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 you're starting to kid. worry us. <laughs> yeah, you need to get out of the house. <laughs> I mean, is, my, my point is that you know, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're a slipper wearer or or a sandal wearer or whatever, and not so much with sandals because you wear them in the summer. I don't. See, I'm a thong wearer, and that's all seasons here. <laughs> TMI. TMI. <laughs> my, my point is though that if you want to wear slippers, it doesn't matter whether it's winter or summer. You're going to wear slippers. Yeah. You know? And and that's true with gaming. Gamers don't want to just buy games at Christmas. They want to play games throughout the year. I you know, I don't I don't go out in the sun more, you know, d- during the summer I don't say right I'm not going out because it's su- it's sunny outside or whatever. I'm I'm going to I'm going to sorry, I'm not going to play games because it's sunny outside. I still want to play games. I might play them slightly less, but I'll still I still want to play games during the summer. So if, if yeah. and 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 you if somebody actually released a few games in those periods where they're not popular and i agree with you i think that period of you know the first two weeks of january is probably suicidal to release a game you know yeah but but that aside i think that throughout the rest of the year i think that people would if you produce a good game people will buy it and i think that's been shown time and time again isn't it there have been times where like grant had examples but probably maybe a little bit outside of the window but look at the previous mass effect titles and uncharted Mm. you know so that's one yeah. of that's Sony's yeah, I mean, biggest game. They released in a period where it'd be unchallenged in a period of the year where it's probably considered to be quiet. Yeah, and that's marketing again. I mean, it, again, Overwatch was released in May of last year. It was released just before the summer. And Joe, you was, you made a good point there, where it's uh, just because it's sunny, people are still going to play games. Yeah, or they're still going to want to play games, and that didn't affect Overwatch in the slightest. I mean, that was massive from the get from the get go. Everyone was put. There's they they said recently that. 
There's 25 million registered players. Yeah, that's nuts. Now. So, excuse me interrupting, Grant, but did you just say my slipper point was a good point? Was was that what you just said? <laughs> but it's more about <laughs> it's more about what you said about playing games. No, no, I'm still fixated on slippers. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, we've got a live one here. He's talking about slippers. I'll go get me pipe in a minute. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think I think you're right. I think what you said about Uncharted is is, is um, a good point. It's very deliberate. They knew it would be unchallenged in the period it was released. You know, so yeah. Obviously, the first two weeks of January, I agree, not a good time to release a game. <laughs> but um, I just think. We might see in future years, and it'd be interesting to see how well Resident Evil 7 does because that's released late in January. I'd love to see the I think it's going to do really well, um, I think. I think it's going to go... I think it's already but... sold quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's been pretty steady. I think it might have hit the 4 million mark already, but I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, it's good. So it's, it's done pretty well. I think it's just... But yeah, yeah. I, would, I would expect to see more publishers trying maybe, you know, different release windows within I mean, those first two we months we always maybe. talk about you know video game the video game industry being cutthroat and developers and studios folding and going under but i mean think about it's money wise it's bigger than hollywood and as much as we talk about all these studios folding you know for every studio that folds how many more studios have been created and coming up you know through the ranks yeah. and i feel like eventually we're going to get to a point where we have so many studios we have so many developers and there's so many developers under sony's belt Microsoft's belt, EA's belt, Activision's belt, that it's going to get too crowded in those last three months of the year. And it already is crowded. Like yes. we saw that well, we with saw it, Titanfall yeah, 2, Call of Duty, and yeah. Battlefield. Yeah. Like, I mean, WTF, that was weird anyway, yeah, we, but it's going to get too yeah. crowded and they're going to have to spread out eventually. Well, we talked about it, didn't we? And it's a similar topic recently about the release schedule at the end of the year. I mean, we're kind of talking about the opposite of that in the sense that a game like Titanfall, if it was released, you know, maybe. February or March might have done better. Perfect timing. It had more attention. Quality game, yeah. but isn't hasn't you know hasn't got that same kind of buzz or hype, and it might have had a bit of room to breathe. Yeah. So I think it's it's worth I think it's worth sort of you know looking. I'm sure they do market research. They employ these companies to look at how games sell at certain points of the year. So it probably is all very deliberate. Market research will get you so far, but it doesn't necessarily. It's always going to get you to the point where you make the right decision i guess i mean you still got to you're still always taking throwing the dice you know exactly well it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy if you're not careful doesn't it because you're like oh games don't sell at this time of year so we're not going to release games at this time of year so games don't sell at this time of year hey that's exactly (laughs) what i'm like with my youtube channel (laughs) yeah yes exactly okay all right well i think we've pretty much exhausted it haven't they wrap yeah, us up Grant. wrap us up any used slippers please donate to <laughs> the support joe uh, foundation uh, a, a very pertinent point here they were stompies incidentally um you know get a bit of marketing in here for for the people who make stompies they were they were green stompies with little monsters on and they flapped up when me little boy walked so just thought you might like them right, well i'm glad you added that in so take <laughs> <laughs> making your editing really hard today Sally (laughs) yeah just remember if you're addicted to buying slippers we'll put a helpline number at the bottom of the video and then (laughs) sorry (laughs) I'll do a proper outro 
Okay, guys, well, thank you for taking part. And that was another episode of Average Gamer. As usual, we'll leave links to our channels um, in the description below. And you can follow us on social media. And we'll also leave links for that. And don't forget that you can subscribe to all of our channels and you can follow us on Twitter as well. And thank you for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode.